Seahawks fans wherever you may be. Welcome inside the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstad, and featuring 12thManRising.com editor and football analyst, Keith Myers. Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome to the Hawks Playbook Podcast. It's episode 14. Today we're talking about linebacker camp battles. I'm here again with Mr. Keith Myers. Hello, Keith. Hello, how are you doing this week? I'm good. Busy week, fun week. School's winding down for uh, the kids. Got a lot of, uh, got, got people. I got people showing up to my house this weekend, so it's going to be uh, chaos. Uh, so this is the calm before the storm where you and I get a chance to, to banner back and forth about the team again, which is one of my favorite things to do, uh, during the week. And I'm glad that we're able to do it. Um, how have you been? I've been busy. It's been, been kind of crazy around here. We've got, uh, yeah, school winding down. So lots of stuff going on with the kids and trying to keep up a little bit with what's going on with the Seahawks, but I'm not writing at the moment. I'm taking a, a little... Uh, work break and vacation uh, as we get through June here and so just keeping up with everything that's going on with Seattle is a little more challenging than usual because I'm not doing it every single minute of every single day so yeah that is interesting been been a lot of fun yeah I am secretly uh, trying to convince Keith to write now and again not every day not every week but now and again just kind of a, a interesting article that he's got rattling around in his brain and putting it up on the website because, uh, yeah, we miss your writing, Keith, no doubt, because you were pretty prolific at at uh, where you were before. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where trying to get 45 to 50 articles a month. Is, oh, uh, my God. It was, it, was, it was fun. It was great, but it did start to get a little exhausting, and that's why I needed a break, so... Uh, and so instead of doing that, we're recording a podcast every week, and this this is fun. I'm really enjoying it. And and we've got the podcast, and then you can find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. He's a great follow. I would highly suggest you go do that because uh, uh, you put out way more tweets than I do. I am like I'm one of those guys that occasionally has something interesting. I think that maybe somebody would like to read, and you are just one of those guys that puts out everything that comes to your brain. Which. Is both a positive and a negative thing because my brain comes up with some very weird things at times. Um, although following me on Twitter means you get to read about my homebrew ex- exploits, so that can be Ooh. well, that, that could be a reason to avoid my Twitter, or maybe you'd like that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, maybe it's we can fun. have a, a brewery podcast at some point in this off season that gets kind of. Uh, dark with Seahawk news in July. Uh, maybe we can have an enlightenment with a, uh, with a sipping uh, contest or, or something or whatever you want to call it. It could be really interesting to um, see what our podcast sounds like when we've both been drinking a little bit. I'm not sure if that would be good or bad. Well, we don't have to publish it. <laughs> we don't even have to, we don't even have to tell people we actually had one. We'll just do it. And you know, if it works, it works. Hey, um, so today, uh, we are going to talk about the linebacker camp battles in our continuing series of, uh, camp battle podcasts. We're almost to the end. I think next, uh, the next couple, we will be doing, uh, corners next week. The week after that, we're going to do safeties and special teams. And that'll wrap that up. And then, uh, we will be searching for other ideas to, um, 
to have a conversation about. So I, I don't think that we're going to have any shortage of ideas, though. Um, no, we won't. So uh, first of all, I want to uh, let you know, too, um, that we are very excited to have the hawksplaybook.com website uh, up and live now. Uh, the website will feature the Hawks Playbook podcast. So we will have all of our podcasts up there um, archived for you to be able to to go and listen to. Uh, we also write some really good show notes for each podcast that you can go and uh, have an idea of what the podcast is before you click play. And uh, so come on and, and check out the site, listen to a show. Uh, we've got uh, original content that we're writing as well. Uh, so we've got some written articles up there. Um, and that'll uh, continue to, um, we'll add to that pile as we go forward. Um, so this week in the news, we've got a, a, a couple of things. Number one, um, the Seahawks signed uh, a backup quarterback to compete with uh, Trayvon Boykin, Austin Davis. What do you know about this guy? Well, he's a guy who's been around, he's bounced around the league a little bit, um, uh, not the strongest arm, but teams like him, uh, coaches seem to like him, uh, smart player, got some mobility, ability to make people miss. He's not the, you know, a read option threat like the way Wilson and Boykin are, but is is a guy that can extend a play and, and give his um, teammates some time to get open. So Keith, uh, last year, in, he was a backup in Denver. Uh, so mm-hmm. he played. He was there with the team all last year, but he did, did not get into a game. And who else did they have starting there? I can't remember uh, the guy's name. I know. No, whatever. It, but it's a guy um, that, that Trevor Simeon. Yeah, Simeon. Right. Right. And he yep. was, you know, serviceable. I'm just going to say serviceable. It's kind of a word I, I like to use once in a while when it's kind of an also ran kind of player. And mm-hmm. Austin Davis was behind him. So, and then we're talking about uh, just competing with Boykin. But, you know, he's he's appeared in 13 games. He started 10, a couple with the Cleveland Browns and then with St. Louis. Uh, I think he's he's started eight games. And he actually won a game uh, against the Seahawks in 2014 in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the extent of my knowledge about this guy. Why do yeah. we think he's going to compete with Boykin to, to take over that backup spot? Well, because of what he brings, it, he what he brings is a guy who is smart. He knows the game. He's good in the film room, um, and he has some experience. This isn't a, another undrafted player who's trying to figure out what the NFL is like, which is what Boykin was a year ago, uh, and that's why the Seahawks brought him in. Is he's a guy that that the the team likes because they don't have to change their offense too much if he has to play, but he offers the team a lot of um, a lot of film room smarts that Boinkin doesn't bring because he's just not experienced he just doesn't doesn't have you know that that time in the league and so it gives him something a little bit different it also just gives him insurance because we don't know what's going on with Boinkin's um, legal status and whether he's going to be suspended um, and then also what happens if if you go into to uh, training camp with only two viable quarterbacks, what happens if there's an injury? It doesn't have to be a major injury. You don't have to lose one of the guys for the year, but just something minor that takes him out for a couple of weeks. What do you have? You, you, you don't want to be scrambling trying to find a guy and then be teaching them the offense. Well, they you, did have Jake Heaps, and he had experience with the team last year, and they did cut him to uh, to make room for Davis. 
Yeah, but Heaps isn't an NFL quarterback. He was a camp arm at best, and his inaccuracy problems during drills made it really hard for the receivers, tight ends, and running backs because you just couldn't trust that he'd deliver a a football that was catchable. So the reps that he was taking uh, was actually not a positive influence for the other other positions. So is it it fair to say that if the team had a choice, they would prefer to to go with their longer-term project in Boykin? Or do you think that Austin Davis is here to legitimately challenge and and they would be open to having him be their backup? I think they would be open to having him be the backup and they would also prefer Boykin to be the backup. They want Boykin to win because he's under team control for longer and he's cheaper and he is a little bit more mobile. Um, has a you know? I thought he showed amazing promise arm. last year. I mean, I really enjoyed having Boykin on the team. Now it scared the crap out of me that he could have mm-hmm. been our our primary backup and actually had uh, time playing for the team, given the injuries that Wilson sustained. Uh, only by heroic measures did Wilson play. I thought uh, stepped up and really played through injuries that. Uh, Quite honestly, most quarterbacks probably would have at least taken two or three weeks off for. Um, but I thought Boykin, when he did come in, was definitely uh, showed some some promise. He was a little nervous that first time that he came in, but he did lead that team to a to a nice drive against. I think it gets the Forty Niners, um, yeah. where they scored. Yeah, I, like I said, I, that's and that is part of the reason why I think they would prefer if given. Uh, Given a choice, and both of them look like uh, fairly equal, you know, backups. I think they'd prefer to stick with Boykin because he's got more upside, and he comes at a cheaper rate and longer uh, team control. So I think they'd rather continue developing him. But they just got a little you know, nervous though with his off off field stuff. Well, that so the off field stuff, and then also they got a little nervous because of the way last season went down with Wilson because you, they ended up in a situation where they were very close to having, you know, Blinken in there as the primary starting quarterback there for a while because Wilson did battle all those injuries. And so it was dicey. And so with, when you have a dicey situation, the team tends to go a little bit more conservative and make sure they have other options. And I think that's what, what Davis is, is the other options. So the other news uh, uh, for the Seahawks this week is just uh, the uh, OTAs are taking place. Uh, the Seahawks have had uh, seven OTA practices. I think the last one is today out of those seven. Uh, this, is, this one is also open to the media, so we'll get a little bit of uh, news coming out uh, from today's uh, practice. Uh, we have uh, information from two other practices that were open as well. Um, what are your primary observations so far? Given the fact that you know we're not seeing a lot of uh, uh, of real play or anything, these guys have just have helmets on and running around a little bit. Yeah, there's no pads, there's no gear. They wear helmets just for safety. Um, but it's they're these are slower practices than what we've seen in years past, as the team is trying to avoid getting another draft pick taking away for too much con- uh, contact. Um, but the lack of contact means offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers have a hard time doing anything and showing. It's just really hard on them, so they don't stand out. Uh, Although Fant has, has really showed. I mean, that's one of the guys I think we could probably talk about just a little bit is, is that guy's kind of popped 
this off yeah, season he, to everyone's not everyone's surprise, but I think everyone's kind of thankful that he's yeah he showing. he came in he came in at uh, three hundred and twenty pounds. Um, they he brought his mom, moved his mom uh, in to that. stay with him. Uh, him and his wife, and so just, Southern just for her to cook, uh, yeah. So she and she basically has been been trying to. It's like fat. It's math, like fattening so. a bird for Thanksgiving. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, geez, yeah. this guy's now. Now, from what I understand, too, Keith is he played at like two two fifty or two sixty at the most or something like that in college. Two sixty five. I think it was two sixty five okay. was what was his college playing weight. He was up to two ninety five last year. Yeah, two ninety early on last year. Got up to about two ninety five. Um, which he's still undersized. And so they right. got, he's up now to 320. And so that's like, that, se- you know, 60, 70 pounds in, in two years. Yeah. And that, but that's where they expect his ideal playing weight to be because they don't want him to get any bigger because now then they think he'll, he'll start to lose all that like really quick feet that made him such a promising, you know, prospect. But now he's got the size to hold his own against the bull rush. And one of the things that I thought was great was that about him was that he went to the team and asked for every uh, the tape for every play, every snap that he had. Um, well, and he identified that. himself some of the shortcomings that he had, particularly his hands. Yeah. He said his hands yeah. were really weak last year. Yeah, he said he said he made his wife sit down and watch all the tape with him. Oh my and gosh. just criticize everything, uh, and and he took notes. And uh, so the two of them sat there and they looked at looked at every single play, and they, they did it in the first three days of the off season. And really criticized every little thing they could, so that he knew what to work on. And uh, so, I mean, this guy's got definitely got his head on right. He he's putting in the time, he's putting in the work, he's got his body reshaped. What else can you ask for? I mean, this is a guy that that I think is going to have a big year. Well, and and it, hope. and I sure hope so. Well, that's right. And so, what that does though is it sets the domino effect for the offensive line in a way that benefits most the team i mean if the team had its choice uh fan and we've talked about this fan would win that left tackle spot because then that would set jokel over to the left guard spot so pete carroll really likes him at left guard and and i think that's the ideal spot for him brits at center Kalinsky moves to right guard and Fetty over at right tackle and that's your line you know and They've got a couple other pieces in there that that could play out in camp if Posick, for example, emerges and beats out Glowinski at the right guard spot or at right tackle, although Effetti is probably their first choice. I think the offensive line is starting to look pretty solid. Well, I'm not sure if solid's the right word, but it's at least looking improved and more upside and less like last year's disaster. I am I am probably taking the highly optimistic glass mostly full view of this uh i and only and i do that only because it it has been so poor the last two years particularly last year uh where the team it really didn't uh, emerge at all so they went into the season uh with kind of a, a problems right away and they never really got it throughout the entire year the year prior to that they kind of went into the same situation and it kind of improved towards halfway through the season uh, last year was a complete washout. So this season, I have to say, I am more optimistic than I have been in the last couple of years. 
Yeah, uh, there's there's actually reason for optimism this year. There's just still a lot of question marks, and I'm I'm less optimistic entirely because the last two years have bred a certain level of cynicism uh, in terms of Seattle and the offensive line and Tom Cable. So we'll have to, uh, you know, I'm I'm willing to give him you know give him that that benefit of the doubt for now, and we'll see what they do. I think there's reason for optimism. I'm just not quite as on board with it as other people are. So before I so rudely interrupted you and talked about Fant because I was too excited to hold back. You wanted to talk about a couple of other players that you thought popped a little bit. Well, the the players that that popped, which are are the cornerbacks and the receivers, which has much more to do with what they're doing in terms of you know playing without pads and stuff. Uh, but uh, Darbo showed really well um, and just looked like he was a guy that's ready to step in and have a major role right now. Um, Cyril Grayson, his speed just looked crazy. And I guess he looks uh, like he's got natural pass-catching ability, which they did not necessarily expect. No, they didn't. They, they just saw his speed and thought, okay, you know, kick returner, you know, guy that can, um, you know, run deep and, and just outrun people. But he his hands have looked good. Um, Doug Baldwin said he, he's a, he's he's – his routes are much more well-developed than you expected. Carroll's already yeah. referred to him as Ricardo Lockett. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting uh, player to watch and, and it's not one where they were, they were really expecting a lot from him uh, this year, but he's definitely stepped up. And then the other one has been, you know, the seventh round rookie, uh, David Moore, the guy out of Eastern central Oklahoma um, and you know he hasn't shown a lot a, a great ability to to get separation or anything. But what has stood out for everyone with him is it just been his hands and his ability to catch anything that you throw close to him. In fact, one of the observations was that you're better off throwing him a bad pass than a good one because a good pass, uh, you know, gives the cornerback a chance to make a play on it, but a bad pass. He can out jump. He can get up there with one hand and make a catch. He can, you know, get down to the ground better than anyone else. And cornerbacks aren't going to be able to stop those passes. So, um, well, I yeah, that was kind of kind of interesting because his his hands are that good that there are people saying, "Hey, just throw throw him a bad ball. Get it. Get him down around his ankles where the cornerback can't get it, and and more will go down and and get it for you." I think so there's I that was interesting. You know, there's four or five guys that you could legitimately say could be could be vying for the four and five spots at receiver. You take a look at um, uh, Doug Baldwin, right? And then mm-hmm. you've and then you've got Tyler Lockett, and then you could argue, uh, you know, Jermaine Curse, uh, Paul Richardson are kind of solidified there at least for this year. I think Jermaine Curse is safe. Some people say that he could be on the bubble. I don't think the savings that they'd get on their cap would be uh, significant enough. I think it's like $300,000 if they cut him or two, mm-hmm. 2.5 or something after June 1st uh, with that designation. So they could spread that, uh, that cap over a couple of years. But um, after that, right. So then you've got, um, you got Kenny Lawler that looks like he's added some weight and he's the guy that can catch everything too. He's got a great catch radius. Samuel Grayson, that guy comes in as a speedster um, that gives you something on the team that you just don't have. And then uh, you've got uh, Rodney Smith, Kassan Williams, who's been on the practice squad for a couple of years out of Washington, Tanner McAvoy, who kind of emerged as that big 
tall, uh, well-defined body type um, that actually looked really good on some big plays. Um, but he still needs to improve. David Moore, Amara Darbo. I mean, it's a good group. Yeah, it's a it's it's a deep group, and that's that's one of the things the team hasn't had uh, is just confidence that they're they're six or seven deep minimum uh, going into camp. They can handle an injury and still be deep. They can, um, you know, they can lose a veteran, or they you know they're going to have some tough some tough chances. There, there's going to be a good competition uh, for for that particular. Uh, group. And you yeah. you saw some uh, good competition out of the cornerbacks today, or as well. And then uh, Thomas Rawls sounds like he's he's been popping too. Oh yeah, you can tell he's rising to the occasion. Um, you know, rising to the challenge that is Eddie Lacy because Lacy is continuing to get in better shape. He's looking big and strong, and exactly what the team wanted him, from him. And Rawls is like, hey, wait, this is my job. This is I'm the one who's going to be the starter here. So he's come in. He's looked quick. He's looked very fast um, and very healthy for the first time in a while, which, of course, is always the big question mark with Rawls. You know, if our running back group is healthy and stays healthy throughout the year, it's going to be devastating for teams um, because you've got C.J. Procise, Eddie Lacy, this kid uh, that we got in the seventh round, Chris Carson, uh, who's apparently impressing in camp. Uh, we still have Alex Collins, um, Thomas Rawls. I mean, holy cow. Yeah, they're, they're, they're five deep at running back, and uh, it's a good group. And, that's, you know, it's, you're throwing guys like Mike Davis and Trey Madden, and uh, there's just, it's a long list. It's, it's deep. It's going to be a good competition. And they've got a couple fullbacks too that they like. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I really liked the way that the, the team's composed this year. There's a couple of light spots today, uh, or on the team. And today I, we're going to focus on, uh, one of them. Did you want to talk about the corners really quick in, uh, the OTAs or are we going to leave that for another discussion? Well, the only thing I was going to say is that, um, Shaq Griffin, the rookie, has sort of inserted himself as the number two cornerback opposite Richard Sherman. And that is very good to see. And um, it means that the team is as, is looking at him as a starter. And I think that's a, that's a very good sign for him. And not a very good sign for Deshaun Shedd, but it is what it is. Well, Shedd's hurt, so... Yep. It's what it, what it, what it's less of uh, is it's less of a good sign for uh, Jeremy Lane who should have used this opportunity of of Shed's injury to take over that number two spot and he hasn't so it's yeah does he have the athletic profile to compete with Griffin on that at that number two spot or is he better suited to be a, a slot guy uh, he has the athletic profile too, but he just isn't, he's just kind of never lived up to that. Uh, he's been a guy that the team prefers in the slot, uh, because they, I think they just, they like the fact that he can kind of manhandle the, the smaller, uh, slot core or slot, um, receivers. Are you at and all? So su- that's kind of, I'd say that kind of is how he wins is just by overpowering the little guys. Are you at all surprised that uh, we haven't heard more about guys like DeAndre Elliott or Nico Thorpe, maybe even uh, Pierre Desir, that are making a name for themselves out of this camp, given the fact that they're uh, coming into their you know, second seasons or, or, or more in the NFL? Mm, not really. Uh, just because of 
where they are on the depth chart. I mean, you get to see that um, Desir is coming in before the other guys, um, the other two. You know, once the the starters come off, and you know when when they get the second. So give me there, give but, me your four guys yeah. that you think are your good are your corners that are a lock for uh, playing time this year. Well, it depends on how you count Shed because I let's say Shed starts on the pup. Um, yeah, so if he start, if he starts on the pup, then you're looking obviously at Sherman and Griffin um, are are the two locks uh, definitely Lane because of his contract uh, situation. I think makes the team. And so you got three, and you're looking at probably two two others, maybe one other. So for me, it's probably um, Pierre Desir, and then uh, going to keep Mike Tyson. Yeah, uh, and so and then he would be the next one. And, and then so it's Elliot and and Nico Thorpe. Yep. So it becomes down to that. I mean, I like Thorpe. I mean, he was very very. They good. like him on special teams too. On special teams, and so that's the. Re- yeah, I think he has a chance to, to to make that roster. But you're 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 trying to figure out where you're going to create that extra roster spot for, uh, for that for him. And so you either have to cut a guy that you trust to be a starter, somebody you know, if, if somebody gets hurt like like the Seer, or you've got to keep an extra corner. If they um, do like, he- if they do like uh, DeAndre Elliott better than. Mike Tyson, they may be able to keep Mike Tyson on the practice squad. Maybe, I just I think they don't want to do that because they don't want to they don't want to lose Tyson. They you know just because of his draft status and and everything and and his ability to play two positions. All right, so let's move on uh, to linebacker. Yeah, OTA news is is uh, we've wrapped that up. So let's move on to our um, featured segment, which is the linebacker group. And it's uh, we've got quite a list. Uh, most of the guys, quite honestly, you're you're not going to be familiar with. Um, so let's let's start to familiarize ourselves with some of these guys and find out how they would fit um, and what our overall depth would be uh, at the end of the day. Uh, my initial thoughts are um, we may have some issues on depth. Yeah, and I'm co- a little concerned. A, this is not a deep group. It is a, a group. You know the team is very top heavy. It's uh, got some obviously great talent at the top, um, and then it drops off fairly quickly, and then it drops off even more. And so it's a it's not a it's not a deep group. And so you've got some really young guys that you've never heard of that are going to have a chance to earn a spot. Well, we did jettison um, we did jettison a, f- a few guys in the off season uh, that they thought that they could improve upon. Uh, Coyle was one. He went to San Francisco. Mike Morgan is still out there um, as our uh, outside linebacker and uh, another kid uh, that I can't Jordan remember. Tripp. Jordan Tripp, uh, who had a, saw a little bit of playing time. Um, and we got rid of those guys. And then we got a whole list of other guys that came in, probably six, seven, eight guys that are competing for just a couple of spots, I think. Maybe, maybe three spots overall, depending on if they go with six linebackers or five. So I'm not sure they probably end up going with five, given the fact that they probably like their safeties a little better. So we'll we'll take a look and see. But let's start. Yeah, the team the team only uses two linebackers most of the time. So about seventy percent of the plays, you only have two linebackers in there. So five uh, linebackers on the roster means you have three backups. Um, of which they mostly and, play special teams. 
of which they mostly play special teams. And so that's probably the reason why you're seeing more uh, more of the, the shift towards five instead of six. Normally you'd keep six, but I think five is probably uh, more likely this year than ever before. So let's start uh, with the top of our list at Arthur Brown. Uh, we brought Arthur Brown in uh, this offseason after free agency began. He was originally a second-round guy for the Ravens in 2013. He, uh, he was an All-American at Kansas State. Uh, Pete Carroll uh, looked at him originally uh, as somebody that he was trying to recruit into USC, so Pete Carroll's had his eye on him for a little while. Injuries and other factors, though, have made Brown a cast-off for the most part in his career. Baltimore, Jacksonville, and New York Jets have all looked at him and passed. So what makes the Seahawks think that they can turn him into a player? Well, I think it's just his athleticism. This is a super athletic guy. This is a guy who's really high, highly touted in the draft. That's why he was a second-round pick. Uh, very, very high expectations for him. Can uh, rush the passer. Can you know get sideline to sideline. There's there's just a lot to like about him athletically. He's just never put it together. And so the 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 hope is that he can come in Seattle and compete. It's a different environment here. A different kind of team. Um, and, you know, just find a role that works for him because the athleticism there, the potential is there, but he's been in the year, league for four years and has never come close to reaching that potential. When I heard so they signed him, I was kind of excited. And then I looked at it a little bit more closely and saw that everyone just he'd been brought in and it just hasn't worked for him anywhere. And so I thought, well, yeah. shoot, we he's, don't have much of a he's chance. He's definitely more of a name than a player. And his name came from his draft status. So, you know, it. I, to me, it's don't have any expectations for him, but he might meet he might beat the you know what our expectations are, and so he he could become a player that could be very useful, or he could be cut. Um, and there's not a lot of middle ground there. He's either going to prove that he earns a spot, or he won't be around. And all these guys that we're going to talk about, most of them, uh, most of the guys that we haven't heard of, are on one year deals, you know, prove it mm-hmm. deals or undrafted free agent contracts. So. Uh, the contract issues are, are minimized here with, with all these guys. The next guy on the list is Terrence Garvin. Uh, he does have some experience in the league. Uh, he's a 6'3", 240, so a good size for a linebacker. Did come into the league as an undrafted guy, which is a common theme <laughs> on this list. Undrafted free agent by the Steelers in 2013. Um, he gives you some special teams play but not much out on the field as actual linebacker yeah this this guy and the next guy Dewey McDonald who they brought in last year um after training camp but before the week one those two guys are, are really special teamers and they're the guys that are looking to be that sixth linebacker in a five-man rotation um because they're there just for their ability to make plays on special teams um McDonald had a had a year last year that most uh, Seahawks don't don't even know. I mean, he appeared in fourteen games, and almost all of them were on. You know, all he did was special teams, but he made right. a bunch of plays, made a bunch of tackles, and so the, the team likes him in that role. He's a safety. He's a bit uh, undersized as a linebacker. Yep, he was a safety until he came to Seattle, and I, they just moved. They, I think they stuck him in at linebacker because they had so many safeties and they needed help at linebacker, and it just kind of evened things out on the practice field. Um, so he's listed as linebacker too. And, and with him and Garvin, that's what you're getting is you're getting guys that are, um, special teamers first 
and uh, players, you know, defensive players second or maybe even third because they just don't offer that much uh, to the defense. So as we go through this list, my I'm always I'm asking the question. So did we just bring all these guys in to play special teams and we actually not to be our you know legitimate backup at linebacker? Tell me the first time we get a guy that you think could actually play the position for well, on the, our team. The, the next guy we talk to is a guy that I think can actually play a position on the team. Oh, the guy with the good name I like. Yes, Cash Palacio. Cash Palacio. What a, I love that name. He, um, yeah, so he's a cougar. So you're, you're either going to love him or hate him, depending on where, where your college affiliations lie. Um, so he's a Seattle practice he, squad guy last year. He was a practice squad guy. He was a surprise practice squad. Not that they surprised that they added him, but surprised that he didn't make the roster because he showed really well in training camp and in the preseason. And everyone kind of thought that he had a roster spot locked up. And then at the last second, they they cut him and shifted him to the practice squad and brought in um, Dewey McDonald McDonald for the the special team stuff. So everyone kind of thought that that Palacio had that spot. And he's going to be given a chance to earn that spot again this year because he has the skills, the size, the speed, everything to be that backup weak side linebacker um, and be dependent on to actually play in the defense if the team needs him to. And, and that's why I think he kind of has an inside shot to make the roster over some of these other guys because he how about, actually has the skills. How about it. Kevin Pierre-Lewis? Well, see... How does he so compare? Palacio, yeah, I mean, if he's going to push somebody off the roster, wouldn't that be the guy? Yeah, it would be. Uh, so he's uh, he's two years younger. He's also seven pounds and two inches taller. Um, so he's he's bigger and he's younger and he's under team control longer. These are all thing factors that uh, that the Seahawks like. They also have similar speed. Uh, Kevin Pierre Lewis is a little bit faster, which that's been his calling card all along. Uh, that and his inability to stay healthy. Kevin so, Pierre Lewis just didn't fulfill the promise that that I think Pete Carroll had with him when he first yeah. came onto the team. Well, because he's really he's really athletic and just quick and fast, and he's great in coverage. And I think the team saw him as a guy that they could you know stick anywhere along the linebackering line and and just let his speed do things. But he just is so undersized; they just never were able to get to his talents and use them in a way that worked for the team. And so when they needed a strong side linebacker, they put him in there and, and he just couldn't hold up against the defensive or the offensive tackles. He yeah. ended up getting hurt. Yeah. So, he's about 15 um, pounds undersized and of course only six foot. Yeah. So it just never really worked out. He's in the last year of his rookie deal. And I think if the Seahawks find someone they think can, can match what he does, They'll stick with the other guy and just let uh, KPL walk because, you know, if you if if a guy like Palacio can match everything that KPL does and do it cheaper and with more team control in the end of the future, why wouldn't you take the younger guy? So one other guy that's a little undersized on our list is Otha Peters, uh, undrafted uh, free agent signing. Another guy they just invited into the rookie camp and signed after uh, words out of uh, Louisiana Lafayette. What do you know about Otha? Well, he and uh, Nick Usher, two linebackers that were, uh, they were they were tryouts. They weren't even you know guys signed right after the draft. They were they were brought in on a tryout basis and then popped during the rookie mini camp. And what that usually means is that they have a lot of athleticism. They've got speed and they prove to be highly coachable. Uh, and what that does is that fits into 
okay, so we know these guys have the athleticism that we that we want, and they're coachable, which means that they're we can they're, they have we can work with them, and we can turn them into a uh, a good player, and that's kind of what the the, the role that both of the guys uh, seem to fit. They're rough. They're kind of the same. Otha Peters is six foot. Um, Nick Usher is six three, but they're both uh, one you know two thirty eight, two thirty five. So they're both the weak side linebacker um, in that weak side linebacker mold, uh, trying to vie for a backup spot, but really going to have to make their case as a special teams guy and prove that they deserve uh, one of those backup spots because of their special teams play. Well, another guy like like Nick Usher. Nick Usher is like six three, two thirty five. Another guy that they have. Um, that's been around a little bit is uh, Ronald Powell, drafted originally by the Saints, 2014. He is 6'4 and 240. Uh, had a couple ACL towers in college that really slowed him down. Um, why did Seattle bring in Ro- uh, Ronald Powell? Well, they brought him in to replace Mike Morgan. Uh, I've got him at, at 247. Um, and so I got to guess. So he's a little bit bigger. He can set the edge. He can take on, you know, uh, those tight ends on the outside in the run. He's really the guy that they brought in to, uh, that they believe can 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 uh, take over the Mike Morgan role as the outside Sam linebacker. Which other one so, of these guys we've been talking about can do that, or or have we not talked about somebody that might be able to to fill that spot? Arthur Brown is another guy they're going to look at in that role. Um, I think and, they would prefer somebody that's six four though over a guy that's six foot and Arthur Brown. Yeah. They would, they would, they would prefer that. Um, the other guy, uh, Nick Usher, they'll try. He's a little undersized, um, but has but the speed. But he has the speed, and he's got the length. I think they'll try him in that spot, and that's probably it of the guys that we've we've talked about. I mean, they just don't have a lot of. I mean, they'll try other people because they have to, and they've got to find some. What about another guy? That, as far as ideal, another guy on the list. Um... One of the, the the main guys I think on the team that other people may have heard of is Michael Wilhoit. Are they going to? Is he primarily going to be Bobby Wagner's backup in the middle, or is do they expect Michael Wilhoit to play multiple positions? They expect him to play multiple positions. I think he is going to be the Sam. Him and Ronald Powell are going to be the two guys battling out for that Sam linebacker starting job. Now we say starting, but it's only about thirty percent in the snaps because they play in the nickel so much. But those are the two guys that are going to going to fight out for it. And then, no matter what happens, you're going to see Will Holt as Bobby Wagner's backup because he is a he's a true inside linebacker, um, a guy that can can hold down that spot, make the line calls. Um, and just be that guy in the middle, you know, especially against the run. So, so a couple of tidbits on uh, Michael Wellhoit. So he was an undrafted free agent in 2011, but originally he was uh, drafted into the UFL by the Omaha Nighthawks. And he played the first his first season of professional football with that team in 2011. I thought that was interesting. But after that... Um, uh, he uh, in, two, in uh, December of 2011, he signed with San Francisco's practice squad, and he did stick with San Francisco for like four years, uh, four or five years. Um, also, another thing about him is that he's he's very athletic, and he was so athletic that he played six different positions in college. Crazy, huh? Yeah. Um, so he's he is San Francisco's kind of uh, think of him like Deshaun Shed uh, in Seattle, where he undrafted, had a hard time making the team, eventually got on, on the practice squad, 
stuck on the practice squad for a couple of years, then got a chance to play and, and stepped up. Um, so if you look, think about all the stuff that's gone on in San Francisco with um, all of their linebackers retiring, you know, they needed someone to step up and, and, and kind of take over that spot. And Will Holt did that. He um, was a big surprise for them, not someone that they had a lot of expectations for. And he came in and played very well in the middle of their defense. Now, now I did check the just, fan site, though, the, the Niners Nation. And not a not a fun group over there. They, they're kind of going through their 10-year, oh, my team is awful stage you know, and so I have, I, I, I don't feel for them too much, but for whatever it's worth, they, they weren't entirely sad to see Will Hoyt go as far as a player is concerned. Um, what do you think about that? Well, he's 30. Um, he is a guy that uh, you're not going to build around. Why didn't they draft um, a guy? Uh, to fill this spot, Keith. Why are they bringing in all these guys that are kind of retreads or undrafted free agent guys? Or I, I know that you've said that that spot in particular only gets thirty percent of the snaps, but you could legitimately argue that after Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, which we still have to talk about, uh, it it drops off like a cliff, uh, talent wise yeah. and depth wise for the team, and that is a concern for me. Um, yeah, because, well, the reason why they haven't is because you have K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner. You've got, um, you know, K.J. Wright's probably the most underrated player in the NFL, just incredible player, and Bobby Wagner is first-team All-Pro, uh, the best middle linebacker in the game. Some people argue Luke Keekley, but Keekley has had some concussion problems that have lingered a long time and some injury issues, and so... Um, at right now, a lot of people would consider Bobby Wagner the best. So you got those two guys are the guys. Yeah, the, I mean, again, KJ Wright's the the most, like you said, the most underrated player probably in the league, and yeah. and literally went to his first Pro Bowl last year as an alternate after yeah. 126 yeah. tackles and four sacks, and he's been Bobby Wagner's right hand man, the, you know, this whole time, and and and, uh, and the, those two guys. When as long as they're healthy, they're going to play ninety eight percent of the snaps. Um, and that's and, another concerning thing. If you really break that down, and what that tells me is they're going to make Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright play until they're broken. Yeah, but they, I think they can handle. It. They're twenty six and twenty seven, I mean, these are their these are their, their prime years. Uh, so it's not these aren't. We're not talking about guys. Yeah, that but they're only prime the until they're not. Fair. Uh, but you're still, you, you got to keep your best players on the field and they're your best players. So, and they're like, those two guys will play like 98% of the snaps and the third linebacker will play like 30% of the so snaps. Whoever, so whoever, so much in the nickel. So whoever emerges out of Will Hoyt, Arthur Brown, Terrence Garvin, Dewey McDonald, Palacio, Palacio. Peters, yep. Pierre Lewis, two, we're going to have two of those guys probably besides Michael Will Hoyt. I think they gave Michael mm-hmm. Willard a contract. I think there's five hundred thousand guaranteed in there. He's like a, a two million dollar deal with a couple with some incentives, maybe one point eight or something like that. So he's probably likely they're they're counting on him to make the team. So Bobby Wagner, Will Hoyt, KJ Wright. After that, it's a, just a long list of of potential, but not anything guaranteed at all. Yeah, you you're gonna have. 
there there was kind of a leap of faith here. I mean, they they there's a lot of guys with potential, and you just need two of them to hit, two of them to kind of live up to their potential. I mean, if you just if you look at it on paper, part. it's Dewey McDonald and Kevin Pierre Lewis. Those are the two guys, but they're the same player. Yeah, um, McDonald I think is the sixth guy of, of a five man rotation uh, because he's and he's there as a special teamer. Um, but you're really looking at five guys, and so you're looking at the, the you know the main three, and then somebody like Ronald Powell and and Cash Palacio, or, or Kevin Pierre Lewis and Arthur Brown, or you know some combination of those other guys who are going to fill out the rotation and give you five legit linebackers, and then if they keep one entirely for special teams purposes, it'll probably be somebody like Dewey McDonald. So at some point, we need to start thinking about the future, too, because Bobby Wagner mm-hmm. is Bobby Wagner. There's there's no replacing Wagner. Um, in 2015, though, he, he did sign a four-year, uh, $43 million extension. So we do have him up through the 2019 or 20 season. And then K.J. Wright's we've got through the 2018 season. Uh, since the, the talent level is fairly non-existent after those guys, how do you approach this position group going into the future? Well, I think what you're going to see is they're going to continue to throw a lot of uh, very low draft picks or undrafted but highly physically talented guys at the problem and hope something sticks. And, you know, because if a guy like Cash Palacio sticks and becomes a, a big a, a good player or um, one of these undrafted guys like, like Nick Usher or someone steps up and, and really shows something, then they'll be okay. Um and then if they get to a point where they need a player because, you know, they can't afford to keep KJ right or, or something like that happens, then the, only then will they use a, a, a higher draft pick on the position. I just don't see it until that point because they have the two guys they really need and want. Let's hope that KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner have another career uh, set of years because, um, after that, the group really drops off. It, it would be one of my groups on the team that um uh, that I would throw into the same sort of thinking to me as our offensive line was last year. We just don't have enough players there that have proven capability beyond Will Hoyt at all. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so we'll see. I mean, you always want somebody to emerge. I just think they put a lot of faith into a lot of undrafted guys or guys that have been kicking around the league for a while. And, uh, you know, but it is, again, you you had er, uh, argued earlier, it is one of those positions after Wagner and Wright where the playing time is, is very limited and all you really need is one or two guys beyond that. Everything else is is butter and, and uh, practice, or not practice, but um, uh, special teams. And yeah, so, you gotta have, so the guys that are going to make the team are guys that are, that, that, will make plays on special teams. And so that's kind of, you know, Kevin Pierre Lewis is a good special teams guy. Uh, so he's going to, if you're going to beat him out, um, which is he wouldn't mind if a guy stepped up and beat him out, you're going to have to beat him out, not just as a defensive player, but as a special teams player. And that's harder to do than people think. Well, I'm done talking about the linebackers. 
And uh, yep, <laughs> it's, it's it's not the sexiest group on yeah, the team. That's for sure. That's true. But uh, something to look forward to next week. We're going to do corners. That list is long, and it's got a whole bunch of exciting players. I think it's it's a very fun position. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about the cornerbacks this year. Yeah, I I am too. And then uh, we're week after that, we're going to go safeties and uh, tie in some special teams into that. And um, so that's a wrap for today on the featured segment. Do you have any? Uh, do you have a mailbag question this week, Keith? Well, we kind of uh, answered the the mailbag question. Um, although I think maybe we did it. No, we didn't. Uh, the mailbag question this week was uh, to give us kind of a run, quick rundown on fullbacks because there is two players that are both rookies that we've never heard of before which one do we think actually makes it out of training camp well uh, uh that's a good question i i think they really like uh algernon brown uh, I've heard, he's the guy getting he's the guy getting the press right now and so, so he he came to the team as an undrafted free agent one of the guys they did invite as a and signed after the draft he doesn't come as as kind of a tryout basis um they like him a lot and he was a guy that um blew up uh linebackers and defensive players uh for BYU um the other guy that I have is Cal Coleman um don't much know, know much about him Keith do you have any information on him um, I don't, other than he is around, but the team, he just never comes up. Like the team doesn't talk about him. They, they seem to always be talking about Algernon Brown, which and, leads me to believe that Brown's got the inside track. Well, that, and I think that you had mentioned too, that you thought maybe there was another player or two that might emerge or come or swip, swap positions to, to take a look at fullback. Of course, the Seahawks, as they have done for the last, two or three years have waited until almost after camp to bring in a guy that they've stuck with for the year. Um, and we could definitely see that again. Um, but I think they would definitely like to find a, a guy that they could stick with for a while on a rookie contract. Agreed. Uh, so we'll see what works as far as that. Um, don't, I really liked don't... Reese, you know, I, I yeah, liked him. I he, too, they do a good they, job. I think they want to go younger. I know that they, they do, they but man, you, I know, but it's such a proof. It's, you know, you get into the season and you realize how important it is, especially in the first five weeks of the season, Keith, right be, before the, the break, where we get that little break in the, in, the, in the schedule, where the offensive line struggles year in, year out, especially when you guys playing guys in, in new positions, which we are will have again this season, mm-hmm. and you need that extra guy in there, that extra protection to help pass block and help create some running lanes. And yep. a guy like Reese can do that right out of the, out of the gate. And I'm not sure that a guy like uh, Algernon uh, can can do it. One of the things to keep an eye on is um, don't sleep on the concept or the, the prospect of the team not keeping a fullback and instead keeping an extra tight end and using a tight end in that role. Yeah, uh, They used Luke Wilson as a fullback at times last year before his injury. Uh, Nick Vanette has the movement. Skills I think they used Brandon Williams at that as in that role as well. They did a little bit last year, and then the other one that um, would fit really well in it and look nice there is a rookie out of Texas named Tyrone Swoops, who 
is 6'4", 250. He's kind of like that ideal size for a fullback. Um, runs well. There's a reason, like, from contact. There's a so reason I see him doing that. That a guy like that is is on a roster at this stage of the of the year because the team is so intrigued by a guy who didn't originally start out, you know, at, at a position that he's on the team for, and then they start moving him around. He's kind of the athlete guy. They try to figure out a way to get him on the team some way. Um, so that's a guy that you really look at in camp and figure out where they start playing him at. Yep. If he, if he shows that he can, um, cover kicks and cover punts and, and do that kind of stuff, he it makes it, it makes it more fun for him to make the roster. And so they start looking for a role, uh, besides just special teams to keep a guy like that. So that's, that's kind of my, um, and right now they have him at tight end, my, my sleeper. Yeah. They have him at tight end, but he's my sleeper to make the team as, as the fullback. <laughs> that is going out on a limb, buddy. That's going hey, out on a limb. What are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> so that's All it. Right. That's it. That's We're it. done. We're, we got this show in the books. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. We had a good show. Uh, again, next week we're going to talk about corners, so don't miss that one. That's going to be great. Find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find myself on Twitter at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. Uh, look for us on our website as well. Um, we'd love for you to go on there and, and uh, comment on the show and uh, let us know how we're doing. And that's HawksPlaybook.com. So until next week, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. The Hawks Playbook Podcast is brought to you by the Fan Sided Network and 12thManRising.com. Find our podcast on the website or subscribe on iTunes. You can find both Bill and Keith on Twitter. Bill is at NWC Hawk and Keith is at Myers NFL. <laughs>